Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing, and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello, I'm John Butler, Investment Director at South Bank Investment Research, and I'm pleased to host this edition of the Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Welcome, Nigel. John, thank you very much. So, uh, another week that was coming to an end. Uh, what's on your mind this week? What are you watching out for? Well, interest rates are the whole debate, really, aren't they? You know, the governor of the Bank of England saying, whoa, whoa, you know, we're not going to cut just yet. Um, he's always slow, of course, at everything. Um, but some quite big signals coming from the government um, that they really do want some interest rate cuts ahead of the next election. Surprise, surprise. And, of course, we've got the autumn statement coming up um, in about two weeks' time, in which, again, surprise, surprise, there'll be a tax cut. They'll suddenly have found some money from somewhere. Goodness gracious me. The really big number this week that I think is fascinating is money supply. The biggest month-on-month fall in money supply since 1922. Now, for anybody that's a monetarist, this presages deflation. Not inflation, but deflation. But this is different because it's a cut in money supply after a record historic increase in money supply. So you've got to get this figure in context in that sense. 1922, we were after the First World War boom. We had that cut in money supply. We went into a very, very deep and really quite prolonged recession. It was a classic indicator that I think in many ways was behind much of the thinking of the Chicago School, Milton Friedman, and many others, that you get inflation down by cutting money supply. And back in the 80s, I mean, I sat in city trading rooms waiting for the money supply figures. I mean, this was the big, big moment. Forget trade figures, forget everything else. It was money supply in those days. But what it does show, what it does show, I think, is that there is a slowing and that Germany is in recession and that the UK is not that far away. And we're, not, you know, we're not doing as badly as some, but we're on the verge of recession. Things are slowing down. Uh, the interest rate cycle has peaked for now and possibly actually for some time, which doesn't mean rates come down a lot, but they don't go up any further. <laughs> and as I said at the end of last week, my last little comment was, well, ever since I joined up with South Bank, and, and and doing fortune and freedom and all these things that we're doing, we'd always said avoid bonds. Bonds are not the place to be. And one of the reasons that the pension industry has given such miserable returns is that the regulator insists on loads of your money being chucked into bonds, which is why most pension funds have performed so pitifully over the last few years. <clears throat> we're now at a different point. Well, actually, bonds look quite cheap. And bonds look like quite a good buy. That was the point I was making last week. Um, and I think there are one or two other voices now coming out and saying that. So, uh, you know, I'm not suggesting we, we all get terribly excited. Also looking at gold, which has had quite a rally off the back of the Middle Eastern situation. But again, it's topped at that 2000 mark. We still haven't, gold has still not yet broken out of the range. But we still insist, as we have for a long time, that a wise investor has 25% of their money in gold. Because the other thing that's not played out 
I don't think that the rise in interest rates has yet fed through to the bankruptcies that I expect to see in Britain, America, Europe. I think people are hanging on. I think there is more bad news to come. So a slowing economy, a relatively cheap bond market. Uh, we'll keep watching these money supply figures with great interest, but we shouldn't get too excited about the fall given the context that I've just put it into. Sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this content, you can get it every single day. Just click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com. Get a daily email from our team of experts. Thank you. No, I, I would agree with that. And you also can look globally and you find that in the United States and several other large economies, money supply growth is outright negative. Yield curves are inverted. The signs of generally tight money and credit conditions are everywhere. Yeah. But once again, we have to remember, as you say, this comes on the back of what was an explosion in the supply of money and credit driven by all, all manner of fiscal stimulus, COVID-associated, not COVID-associated, you name it. What we really see here is a multi-year picture of money and credit instability. And it makes you wonder what those in power, those in charge of our financial systems, you know, what are they thinking? Do they honestly believe that this is going to lead to a sustainable situation? Well, are they really in charge? I mean, I'm not sure they are. And, and what an indicator of that is so much of the thinking in the UK and, of course, part of the Biden so-called Inflation Reduction Act, uh, one of the most bizarrely named pieces of legislation in history, has, of course, been win, win, win. But we saw the last auction for the North Sea had no bidders. We've seen a major bankruptcy in America. I mean, a major bankruptcy in America. And now some very real questions about the wind industry. Really, for the first time, broadly being debated and discussed. And we can only reach one conclusion, that if we're going to go for massive growth of wind energy, it is going to need a lot of taxpayer subsidy because this free market ain't working. And that means more expensive energy at a time when, even though inflation has eased, there is still, for most households, a cost of living crisis. And that's going to be fascinating to watch. Now, what does government do? I mean, Boris Johnson wanted to turn us into the Saudi Arabia of wind. They want to fill the North Sea up with these things. But if it's not commercially viable, and yet they're still committed to net zero, I mean, really interesting, isn't it, to see what... My guess is they're so hell-bent on net zero, they'll just go on pumping our money into wind energy to keep it afloat, even though logic says it should stop. But that's how I see it today. Well, it's become pathological if you ask me. They're going to go for broke no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Great. Thanks, Nigel. Very good. Thank you, John. Well, thank you for watching. I hope you agree it's never been more important to take control of your own money, your own financial situation. We do a daily free email, a fortune and freedom daily email with lots of knowledge, lots of insight. It's a very useful way of protecting yourself for the future. So please click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com and get my daily email.